Hi, and welcome to the Air That I Breathe podcast. My name is Jody Howe, and I am here with a new series called Heart of Hope. It's a podcast that will help to encourage you to start your day leaning on God and His Word, making intentional decisions to enrich your spirit and your soul. It starts with prayer, a walk in faith, and choosing joy. And remember, today is a new day, and with that, new hope. Hi, friends. It's just great to be back. This next podcast is definitely in a part of my series called Heart of Hope, but it might be a little longer. Decided that five minutes is fun, but sometimes I got a few more things to say. You know, this one's for you. Do y'all remember that song? I think it was from the 80s by Barry Manilow. I love Barry Manilow. Yep. Newsflash. It's true. Always did. Big Manilow fan. I guess I'm a fanalo. Anyway, I loved his songs. I actually did a cabaret in New York City years ago, and I did a medley of his music in this cabaret. Y'all, I got a history, and it's a fun one. So this one's for you. You know, in this podcast, I try to offer hope, aligning with God's word, encouraging you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not because that's what the world tells you to do, And not because you saw your parents or your grandparents go to church, forcing you to do the right thing and believe in God. Or if that's why you still believe in good for you, keep going. They were wise family members. Not perfect, but they had a good perspective and worldview that offering their time in worship was more important than their time. With all the good news I fervently want to share, I don't ever want you to think that I am not aware of the naysayers and faith deluders out there. I get how hard it is to walk in faith. People, they're broken and mean. But God knew perfectly well a walk with Christ was going to be a problem. It's right there in bold warning, Romans 12, 1 through 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, I've been a huge target that has created discouragement in my heart from what I have gotten from non-believers telling me how foolish I am. If I have a faith outside of myself, I'm crazy, I'm weird. I've been looked at funny. And people, they've avoided me altogether. I mean, I have been told that I am a heretic, a Jesus freak, and so on and so forth. You know, I've had people cringe when I say the word God or Jesus. And I'm sure I've been unfollowed on Facebook dozens of times. I mean, I know people that couldn't even work on my website because on my website, I speak about faith and that was sickening to them. I know people that were so spiritually abused that they simply cannot open their heart up to the idea that there is a God who loves them because their fathers, their mothers, their priests, their pastors, their ministers, their family, who would claim to represent God in faith, those people unintentionally or intentionally abuse their spirit. Because like broken people, They took on the role of God instead of taking on the role 
as one of God's children that needed to grow up. Heck, I have been told that Jesus was just a guy who walked the earth 2,000 years ago with good talking points, but by no means was he a miracle worker, a way maker, or the Messiah. And incidentally, that person who said that, I pray for her. And then I digress. Look, a lot of non-believers believe in humanity. In fact, a lot of atheists will say, I believe in one God, and that God is me. We live in a world that has consisted of free will. And at least for our country, for the most part, free choices. And I believe that God gave us humanity. That's the difference between me and an atheist. I believe God is the superpower to mankind. You know, if you go back to early days, Adam and Eve, they lived freely and perfectly on earth until sin stepped in. And when that sin stepped in, so did free will. Years ago, before I even knew who God was, I was in my car with my mom. I believe I was in my teenage years and I was starting to just feel anxious about life. In that moment, she immediately told me to say these words, let go and let God. She told me to repeat it as much as the fear or bad thoughts would come into my mind. Very wise words, and they had tremendous power. But it's only been recently that I realized that that phrase, let go, let God, can also be reversed. Because sometimes we don't have the ability to let go. Sometimes we sulk in fear, doubt, and worry. We feel overpowered by life, family, hurt, missing the biggest piece of the puzzle, the Trinity piece of the puzzle, the Holy Spirit, the beautiful gift that was left from Jesus when he returned back to the hand of God, the wireless transmitter and receiver that connects us to the Father and the Son. It's Jesus. So now I'm surrendering to let God let go. If I signal him first, he will let it go. He will let this go. He will go before it and fix it, heal it, change it, work it out for good. Because if I could let it go, I would have let it go a long time ago. If I could let this anxiety go, I would have a long time ago. If I could have let this depression go, I would have a long time ago. And if I, if I could have let conflict with my daughter or trouble in my unequally yoked marriage or all of this hurt just go, I would have a long time ago. The thing is, most people walking this earth are living for themselves. This is not an accusation. This is a part of my testimony as I have lived for myself for decades, for careers, for homes, for stuff. A lot of times they don't even live for their spouses or children. And in a way that's understandable and some perfectly acceptable. But what I don't think people realize is that in God's economy, he does want us to enjoy the life he has given us. He wants us to have fruitful careers, safe surroundings, money to live on, and the ability to pay our bills. Just not live vicariously and solely through those things. 
not to make them the most important thing that defines our existence, not to make them or anything our idol, not to make anything cover the name of Jesus. God tells us in Jonah 2.8, those who cling to the worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. And I've learned it just gets in the way. The minute you're thinking about the world, possessions, your pain, you're outside the realm of God and the power of Jesus Christ. Listen, one of my hobbies is shopping. I like me a good sale, and my favorite word is clearance. I love cute clothes, especially ones that make me feel younger. And if there's a product that will make me look younger, I may just be a sucker and give it a try. But the reality is God will just nudge and say, stop making this your idol. And I do feel him saying, I want you to enjoy this life. But in order to obtain the fruits of the spirit, you've got to be connected to the spirit. That is allow the Lord to go before you in everything you do. I made a personal commitment to learn the New Testament book by book. I'm just not one of those people that can read the whole Bible word to word, beginning to end. I actually, I'm not very good at reading a whole book by myself. So I formed a Bible study online. And it has been such a blessing with the most incredible women who show up and are just yearning to go deeper with God, just like me. They have become my sisters in Christ, and I look forward to our Thursday mornings every single week. And what I've learned through these studies is that God yearns for us to have a relationship with his son, Jesus. I mean, the teachings of Paul show us how he, as a vessel, had to implement a discernment to the people, the churches, to stop just leaning on the rules. You need to get to know our Savior, Jesus Christ. And of course, start a relationship because God looks at the heart. The thing is, when we walk outside of the circle of God, we are walking as fools. Because when we walk without God, then we walk with the world. And then we become conforming to the world. And then we shift our minds to a world-like mindset. Where we're in this woe-is-me kind of mindset. Like, life is so hard. Nobody loves me. Why am I here? I've got this. I can do anything. And yada, yada, yada. God desires us to give him our mornings, afternoons, and evenings through conversations, through obedience, and ultimate surrendering to him. He teaches us to consider others that are struggling through prayer, through compassion, through love. He instructs us to replicate Jesus through our character development. How? Well, I mean, through service of our time and and money to help people through hardships and difficult periods of their lives. He wants us to build our life on his foundation because that is the safest and most sustainable foundation in the history of mankind. And as one of my favorite pastors says many, many times, God is not concerned about your comfort. He is concerned about your character. He tells us in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, the wise and foolish builders, 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain, it comes down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So friends, how do we all do this? Well, I've spoken a lot to this in my podcast. I'll reiterate for you because sometimes I need to hear it again myself. Start with saying to the Holy Spirit, if you have already, great, but if you haven't, speak these words in prayer. I need you today, Christ. I need you to now, at this moment, come into my heart and lead my life so I can build my life upon your love, which is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken from what the world, the enemy, is trying to do. I need you morning, noon, and night always to know that I can lean on you and give you my world. I come to you with a heart of surrender and trust that you will take hold of my life going forward. And I speak this through the name, the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ. Friends, I have to say that time and time again. You know, some of you who know worship music might have caught that some of the things I'm speaking to today are actually lyrics in some of the greatest songs that I get the pleasure of singing on the worship team at my church, Hope Community Church in the Raleigh-Durham Triangle area of North Carolina. And so I just sort of took a few words from Build My Life, which is really one of my most favorite worship songs. And it was on my playlist as I was writing this content. So I thought it would be relevant for what I'm sharing. And I've got some more coming up too. So, okay, what can we do after we pray? We can learn, we can invest, we can memorize scripture that focuses on these six principles. You know, trust in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, it's giving him your all. Faith in Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's a blind trust. Hope, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's the promise that your days will be brighter and clearer. Joy, Psalms 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Y'all, it's feeling blissfully sublime even during the storms of life. Contentment, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's the certainty of time and the feeling of norm, and most especially love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. 
It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always preserves. Love is finding out that amidst the broken people on this earth that probably do love you or claim to love you, that the truest of love can only come from Christ. If you are blessed with all these riches, if you can walk beside the Lord, his promises are so clear and so true. He will always love you, lead you, and save you. Because you are not enough on this earth without Christ. That's a bold statement, but it's true. Each day, we need to wake up and say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here to control my mind and all that it will take in, meditate on, and speak. Please, Lord, meet me here again. All I want is all you are. I speak a lot about being intentional. Allow me to lay this down in a way for you to understand how God will work in your life. You need to make room in your life for him to do whatever he wants to do. I mean, surrendering, it's not always a pretty word. Unless you see the beauty in releasing your burdens and your fears to God so he can do whatever he wants, however he wants to. He can turn the bad into good because he loves us. I mean, there may be some shaking up, some training, some testing, some refining, some reforming, some humbling. And I can tell you, he has humbled me to my very core these last six months of 2022. And I'm okay with it. Why? Because his way is better. Trust me, I have tried my way and it fails every single time. My way of control, my drive, my decisions, my way of living, they're just not sustainable. And I say this phrase and I'll reiterate it again. How is living without God really working out for you? So as you consider taking some of what my heart has been called to share with you, are you still feeling there is this thorn in your flesh, like something that nudges you when you make every attempt to be a Christ-like person? Well, as I've made a commitment to stay close to what God has called me to do, I've also made a commitment to full transparency. And with that, I absolutely get that as hard as we try, we still feel that thorn each and every day. But the good news is that so did Paul in the New Testament. I think what helps is to figure out what your thorn really is. For a while, their mind was anxiety. But let's be real. It's not just a thorn. It can be many thorns. Life's obstacles that they just continue to pierce, they poke, they do what it can to take your mind off of Christ. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 12, 9, which I just spoke about. But I want to go ahead of it if I can and share parts of it that I think are so profound and eye-opening about how the challenges in our lives are in fact our weaknesses, but we serve a God of strength. I thought about sharing the New King James Version, but as I went back and looked at other versions, I found the New Living Translation. It kind of spoke to me in a way that 
seemed in modern sense. And I know that that is some of how we learn. I mean, that's what the whole Angel Productions television series, The Chosen, is portrayed as. An understanding of Jesus during his last biblical days on earth, told in a modern sense of understanding. And it's all good if it helps you to know him. And I need that sometimes. I mean, let's face it, some of us just aren't that intellectual, including me. So in 2 Corinthians 12, 5 through 10, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. And if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. These different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for, for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I also want to just share something that I found in my latest Bible study, which was in the book of 2 Corinthians. It's under the direction of Dr. David Jeremiah, whom I just adore as a pastor and as a wise counsel in my life when I need to hear good sermons. And I think his Bible study series is just fantastic because it's just the New King James Version, Scripture, and Q&As. And that's it. No fluff. And I just love it. And I'm learning a lot. But he does put in some of his own words of wisdom. And and I want to share this one part with you because it was so eye-opening. And I think the reason why God, God called me to do this podcast. Paul was able to weather these hardships because he didn't look to his own power to survive them. He looked to the power of the Holy Spirit living within him. Paul had grown inwardly as he was assailed outwardly. In the same way, we can be assured, no matter what troubles we face, we can trust God to be with us in the midst of them. However, like Paul, we need to take steps now, before the trials come, to strengthen our relationship with God so we can understand what it really means to rely on His strength. Friends, that's my message, my my heart. Get ahead of what life is going to deal you because we all know life is hard and it's ugly and it's mean and it's cruel. But God is not the God of confusion. He is the God of strength. He is the God of peace. He is the God of love. So to the naysayers in the world, if they don't know who Christ is, we should be praying for them because they're missing out on the miracle of life. And I know everyone thinks that the miracle of life is, is life, and it is, but a mental miracle of life is peace. It's not the absence of problems, but it's the presence of God. 
And Paul, he spoke to persecutions, hardships, troubles. He had the ability to walk through those struggles because he had the power of Jesus within him. And the power of Jesus supersedes what Satan was and continues to try to do on this earth. He tries to beat us down, fill us with lies, and he thinks he's a winner. But y'all, Satan is the biggest loser, and he continues to lose each and every day. Christ is my peace when my fear is crippling me. Arms I have to run to when it gets too much to bear. The light, the only light of the world. His love is always enough. Nothing compares to his embrace. My heart will sing no other name but Jesus. He is the King of Kings. For even in his suffering, he saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, he died. Period. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for, for your word. Thank you for the reminder through 2 Corinthians that your strength comes from our weakness. I'm just learning the power of that. Even though when I walked through a difficult season with my daughter, I kept saying, your grace is sufficient for the day. Your grace is sufficient for today. Your grace is sufficient always. I'm learning that it's with my weakness I become strong because you are our strength. So Lord, I just ask that anyone who is listening to this podcast, that you just fill into their spirit that they can live through the trials of the world if they put you in the forefront of everything. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your love and your power. And I surrender all of what I have said, done, thought, and tried to own from yesterday to this moment, and I give you my life in the special and beautiful name of Jesus Christ. <laughs>